Um, so kind of cool, uh, all four of my kids, as they've grown up, have uh, read the Percy Jackson series, right? And some of you, you know, okay, right? It, it's, a, it's a sort of a modern take on, um, you know, the, the Greek and Roman gods. There's even an Egyptian splinter off. But, but uh, the author there goes and he gets these gods and he brings them into modern uh, day times. And then it's their kids, right? It's Camp Half-Blood and all this. Well, the cool thing about it for, for my family was it really sparked a curiosity and a love for the old myths, right? The Greco-Roman legends, and so they're studying all about Zeus and, and the Greek gods and Apollo and the Romans and all this stuff. So you can actually go to my kids and ask them about some of these things. And they'll, they know more than I do at this point uh, on some of the abstract ones, right? Which is kind of cool. But it's, it's funny to me because when you read the Percy Jackson series, you have all these Greek gods. And the, the, what I walked away from was they are really bad parents, <laughs> right? Which... Which is actually true. When you go and you read the old stories, you read the actual myths, they were really bad parents. I mean, when you think of like Perseus and Hercules and these, you know, sons of the gods, they were really bad parents. In fact, are you ready for this? They were really bad gods. I mean, they really were. They were really crummy gods. And this is important to think about because we've been looking at the book of Philippians and the book of Philippians was written by Paul to a church in Philippi. And this is pretty much what, what people had, okay? Their options for worship were very limited between, well, bad and worse. It's what you got. And so the, the people, when, when Paul comes and he first meets with Lydia and he meets with this group of people that said, wow, who is this Jesus person you're talking about, Paul? When Paul talks about Jesus, I imagine it was a complete shift in anything they'd heard before. Because not, not only were the Greco and Roman gods bad, but it was another problem. And the problem was that at this time, a lot of Judaism, a lot of, of God's people and God's children had polluted and diluted and misconstrued pretty much the whole Old Testament, the whole old part of the book, right? All of it there. They had basically turned it into what the Greeks and the Romans were doing. It's a really simple system when you think about it, okay? It really is. The, system, the simple system is this. If I do this for the gods, then they will do X for me. Or they will have a better chance of doing X for me, right? So if I appease the gods with good sacrifices, they'll do good things for me. If I don't appease the gods or if I don't give the right sacrifices, then maybe they'll do bad things for me, okay? It makes sense in a way. It's very logical. It's very A plus B equals, and it's simple math, right? And, and unfortunately, the, the Jews in Jesus' day had pretty much done the same thing with the Old Testament. They'd said, okay, you follow the laws, you make sure you follow extra laws, and God will look favorably upon you. If you don't follow those laws, well, then God's going to get you. You know, old Johnny Cash song, God's going to cut you down, right? So there was this... Here into this whole big world of people comes Jesus. And Jesus says, first of all, guys, you're not reading the book right, okay? You're not doing it right. Let me tell you what it really means. And so a lot of Jesus' teachings was, you've heard it said, don't go catting around on your wife. I tell you, love your wife with all your heart, so that there's no other woman out there 
that you have eyes for, right? Jesus says, you're not reading it right. Let me tell you what it's really about. Let me give you the lenses with which to look at this book. But Jesus goes one step further, something that I imagine the church in Philippi was completely blown away with. Jesus says, you look at the way I'm living and you do the same. See, when you get into the later parts in the letters of of Paul and Peter and John, you get this impression that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he puts his DNA in us. Okay? He puts his DNA in us. It's the framework. It's the map of what we are to grow into. Right? Now, the life of that is his spirit. The life of that is the Holy Spirit. But we are made to have the DNA of Jesus. Because God's whole plan was not to have a temple in Jerusalem and have a bunch of people obey laws. God's whole plan is to have a bunch of little Jesuses going all over the globe, doing amazing and miraculous things and living lives of purpose and meaning. And so everything Jesus did, we get to do as well. In fact, we're supposed to do it as well. That's why Jesus says things like, you know, I'm not here to do what I want. I'm here to do what the Father wants. In fact, Jesus says, there's nothing I can do on my own. God's going to do it all through me. It's, it's our life. Isn't that the pattern of what we would, should be saying? I'm not doing it. God's doing it through me. We are made to have the DNA of Christ. We're made to have the Holy Spirit activating that DNA. We go out. We do amazing things. How amazingly different is it from bargaining with God's Versus a God that says, hey, I'm your father, you're my daughter. I'm your dad, you're my son. And you are going to be the light in the world because you're going to reflect me and you're going to grow up and you're going to look like me. And you're going to act like I want you to act. And you're going to see people the way I see them. See, we get to have the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus Jesus' feet took him anywhere and everywhere. You look at all the crazy places he went to. He was over here eating with the rabble and the the lowlifes. He was over here in the high echelons of politics, right? He was everywhere. His hands, the hands of Jesus that, that had no problem shaking hands with lepers and those that were sick. And then the real untouchables like politicians and lawyers and tax collectors, right? You know what I'm talking about. I tell you right now, having been to leper colonies, I'd much rather hang out with them than politicians and lawyers. Hey, Jesus didn't care. He loved them all. And his hands embraced them all. And Jesus' eyes, Jesus' eyes, oh, that we could look at people with the eyes of Jesus. And we could see them as made in the image of God. All of them. Folks, it's 2020, just going to throw out a hey, 2020 election. I don't know if you know this, but there's an election coming up this year, okay? Just remember, as you look, they're made in the image of God. I don't care which side you're on, doesn't matter. In this room, it doesn't matter. There is no Republican or Democrat in this room. There are children of the Most High. That's it. 
okay? I'm not saying I don't have opinions. I got opinions. Opinions are like armpits. I got two of them and they stink, right? There you go, okay? Everybody's got opinions. But in this room, I'm certain that we are sons and daughters united in Jesus first. And when, as a son and a daughter, whether I'm looking at Trump or Bernie Sanders, image of God, image of God. John says, be careful with how you talk about people, you know. Don't, don't think you can curse and talk bad about a person on one hand and then praise God with the same, the same mouth. Doesn't work that way. Let's get to Philippians. Let's get to the good stuff. 8.30 in your pew Bible, Philippians chapter 1. Now, some of you are saying, uh, TJ, I think we've been here for three weeks. And I would say, you're right. We've been here for three weeks. And I'm okay with that because this is good stuff, folks. This is powerful stuff. Paul's writing to this church in Philippi, again, primarily a Gentile church, so he doesn't have Old Testament references specifically in the book. But understand, Paul is a rabbi of rabbis, so what he's talking about will have its foundation in the ideas of God's words in the Old Testament, God's words in his people. He writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. As I've been reading this text and looking at it, some things just keep jumping off the page. One of these things is how God provides, the provision of God. God provides. He provides everything. The reality is you don't do anything. You didn't create the air you breathe. You didn't create the body you have. It was all given to you. I mean, I get it. I'm all about, you know, working hard and being entitled to the fruits of your labor. But the reality is, folks, it's all been provided by God. Anybody have those days where you wake up and you're sore? Okay. I seem to be happy. The older I get, I seem to have more and more of them. I keep waiting. You know, I think when I turn 50, that'll stop and I'll get, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. You know, I, I almost wonder if God didn't design our bodies to do this to remind us, hey, guess what, TJ? Guess what? It all comes from me. The good days and the bad days, right? 
So those body that you take for granted, because when you're young, you take that. It's so true. Youth is wasted on the young. You know, we really should age backwards. Then you'll be, be grateful for what you have. Right. But but these bodies that we have, when you have the good days, it's from God. It's from the father, his provision. Now, Psalm uh, 103, we, we read that last week, a little bit of it. Uh, I love the fifth verse in that. It says, give thanks to the Lord uh, for he fulfills the desires of your heart with good things. So in other words, God provides the desires of your heart. He satisfies the desires of your heart with good things. Now, notice the qualification with good things. Okay, God knows what's good and he knows what's cheap junk, right? God doesn't satisfy the desires of my heart with McDonald's Happy Meal toys, okay? How much of life and how much of stuff is McDonald's Happy Meal toys? I hate McDonald's. Special sauce, you're so good. But anyway, (laughs) I, I, I go with the kids and what do they want? A Happy Meal. Now, do they really, you know... Come on, kids, what what do they want? They want the toy. Now, here's the problem with the toy. The toy doesn't leave the car in the trip home. They get the toy, they're excited about the toy, and by the time we pull home, what happens? Eh, you know, what's the next toy? You know, what's the next toy? God doesn't give us McDonald's Happy Meal toys. He satisfies the needs in our hearts with good things. Problem is, we chase after the not good things. We're holding out for the not good things while God is right there offering the good to us. Again, big distinction between the gods of old that said, you come and satisfy me versus God the Father that says, let me come and satisfy you. From start to finish, this book is about God providing. All the way back to the beginning when God creates heavens and earth and he creates this beautiful world and he creates trees and animals. I mean, God made bacon, Mm, right? He makes all this stuff. He, He gets it all ready. And that, at the very end, when it's all set out, he says, okay, now here's man and here's woman. Here's my son. Here's my daughter. I mean, what a great dad. What a great parent. He makes this whole thing and then he provides us to enjoy it. Which, which by the way, blows me away. Do you realize that? Uh, Of all the animal kingdom, we are the ones that enjoy. We enjoy. Anybody here been to the Grand Canyon? Come on, Grand Canyon? Yeah. Do you go there and just, meh, it's a hole in the ground. That's the biggest ditch I've ever seen. You know, no, if you've been there, then you know, or, or folks, anybody here ever wake up on an Ohio morning and the snow is, now I know your first reaction is, ugh, how's the driving, but take a moment and look at the beauty. We do that. We appreciate beauty. That is a gift from God, and God delights in it. I mean, as parents, you understand this. You know, parents on Christmas morning, they delight in their children's delight. 
I don't care what I get on. I'm, I'm at this point where I don't care what I get on Christmas morning. Literally, I don't care. What do I care about? I care about the expression on my kids' faces, right? Some of you, it's your grandkids or whatever. You delight in their delight. That comes from God the Father. As much as I delight in my kids, God delights so much more in us. So much more in us. He provides. In this book, just in these first 11 verses, we see God providing and we see Paul mentioning the ways that God provides. The first one that I see here is God provides. Now, he says partnership. We might call it fellowship. Whatever it is, it's when brothers and sisters stand together. It's what we try and do when we get together on Sunday morning. But even more than that is when we break out throughout the week. Okay, God provides through each other. I found out some things in the last several years of my life, five, ten years. One of the big ones that was kind of earth shattering is my spiritual growth, my spiritual and emotional healing cannot happen without others. Okay, let me repeat that. My spiritual growth, my spiritual and emotional healing does not happen without others. It's not like I'm sitting there alone in my prayer closet and I say, Lord, I've been struggling with this. I've been depressed. I've been down. I've been beaten. Uh, Lord, just do something. And he goes, boom, and then all of a sudden I'm good. Anybody had that? If you have, that's great. And he can. He's done it before. But I'll just speak for myself. I need others in my life. I need you. You know what I've come to value in the last five years? Especially the prickly ones. I remember reading a book and they talked about church as being basically, um, it's the concept of you put a pin and you put a bunch of porcupines in it, okay? They seem to get along for a while, but eventually somebody's going to get poked, right? Because we're all porcupines and we're all prickly. But folks, we need the prickly ones. You know why? We're not going to grow without them. We're not going to grow without them. You need the prickly in your life because you're not going to grow without them. We need each other. When the body does what the body does, when the tribe comes together, it is beautiful and it is magnificent and it is God providing. But God also provides the hard times and the rough times. And there's times when God says to TJ, TJ, I want you to take that thing that you've been holding on to, that you think is so valuable in your life. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your wounding. Maybe the Lord says, TJ, take your son, your one and only son. That good thing I gave you, TJ, I want you to take it up on the mountain and I want you to offer it to me. Remember that story about Abraham and Isaac? Remember that? That's a hard one for me. I wrestle with that story. But I understand the meaning behind it. God is saying, TJ, what are you holding back from me? You need to learn, TJ. Because again, at the end of the story, uh, God provides a ram in the thicket. And what does Abraham do? He says, on the mount of the Lord, or on the mountain, the Lord will provide. Right? He names the mountain that. The Lord will provide. TJ, you need to understand God is going to provide. God is going to provide. Spiritual growth, spiritual and emotional healing happen in the context of the partnership. 
tribe to fellowship each other. Okay? We see God providing here in Philippians where he says that, In all my prayers for you, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day forward. Now, go down a few more verses. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Brothers and sisters united by Christ in this journey. That's why no matter where we come from in the entire globe, no matter what ideology we have in the back of our... I don't care if you're a, a fascist anarchist or a social communist, right? You know, is Jesus the Lord of your life? If you have that in common, you can work everything else out. <gasps> it's true. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. I, I, again, the older I get, the more I fall in love, the, the more simple the Bible becomes to me. I don't, or maybe the more simple-minded I'm becoming, I'm okay with that. It's a good place to be. Simple-minded is happy. You know? But I read this, and I say, see, Paul again, now here uh, in the second chapter of Philippians, he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Now, here's my simple mind. All I can think of is how it drives me nuts when my kids fight and how I love it so much when they play together. And my two littles are the worst at this. You know, on the one hand, they will fight like cats and dogs. On the other hand, they can't wait to go and play Barbies together. Okay? And I think, I wonder if Paul's saying, man, would you guys just play Barbies together? You know, can you just play Barbies? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. This is Philippians, the second chapter. It's the first part of it. Paul is getting ready to say, be like-minded, have your attitude the same as Jesus, who, and then he has this amazing Christological, Christological statement about who Jesus is and what he did. And the focus of that passage on Jesus is folks have the same attitude as Christ, who he had it all and he gave it up to come down and die for us. But Paul doesn't stop there. I love it because he says, Jesus had it all, gave it up, came down, died for us, therefore, and it's the scripture we read earlier, therefore God exalted him to the highest place, that at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory and the love of the Father, right? So here's what you have. Don't think that it's just you have everything, you give it up, you come down and die. The story doesn't end with death. Death gets nothing. When you sacrifice all these things that Paul is talking about, you value others above yourself, you sacrifice your selfish ambition, you sacrifice your vain conceit, you sacrifice the way you see the world, the way you want the world to be. That's hard to do, okay? It's hard to do. 
When you sacrifice these things, God says, whatever you lose, I'm going to give back double, triple, even more. Whatever you lose, I'm going to give back double, triple, even more if you've given it up for someone in the name of Jesus. So God provides through others. God provides through his grace. Through his grace, God provides. At the end of Philippians, Philippians 4, Paul says, God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. One of my good friends, uh, Stanley Bowers, says that grace, and he has a little anachronism for it, it's grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. God provides out of the riches of his grace in Jesus. Okay? God provides out of the riches of his grace in Jesus. You notice how this provision doesn't sound like physical things? It doesn't because physical things are the McDonald's Happy Meal toys. Okay? Lord, I really need provision. I need it in the form of a check or perhaps a money order. I will take cash. Okay? And if you use a card, I'm going to have to charge you $1.50, Lord. So I'm just kidding. I wouldn't charge him. Anyway, <laughs> that's how we want provision from the Lord, right? Lord, give me. Lord, give me. And the Lord's saying, I want to provide the deeper things. I want to provide the things money can't buy. I want to provide the, the phone call on the day when you're really down and you need someone to give you an encouraging word. Or I want to provide, hey, anybody had this one? You're driving in the car and the right song comes on the radio and you really needed to hear it? I'm not kidding you. I seriously think God speaks out of my radio sometimes, right? A hundred and one ways. 101 ways that God provides what we need that money can't, that money can't. My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You know, most of the time we don't even know what our needs are. Most of the time we are so consumed with reflecting and looking on the outside that we don't take time to look on the inside. What are my real needs? Folks, I stand up here after almost 20 years of ministry and 20 years of counseling and 20 years of seeing marriages and friendships and relationships disintegrate. And, and usually by the time a couple comes in uh, to see me about their marriage, usually it's pretty much too late, which don't, don't ever let that happen. Just as a note to all my brothers and sisters out there. And it doesn't matter if you're married or single, you don't need to suffer alone. If you need help, get help. Again, God provides through the partnership, right? But nevertheless, I see marriages, they come in, and, and the reality is they're both trying to get their needs met, and they're both doing it in really bad ways, and they both really don't even know what those needs are. They haven't taken time to look and say, what do I really need? Lord, where are the places and the woundings in my heart? Where is the lack in my life that needs filled? That only you can provide. That's another one. I wish if she would only, if he would only. Doesn't work that way. You know? Really, what you need to say is if God would only, and he says, 
I have, I am, and I will. Okay? But, oh, but Lord, but I want it to look like this. I'm holding out for, don't hold out. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Maybe for this one, I would ask you, what are your needs? I know we're really good at doing the surface ones. Well, Lord, I could use a little more in the bank account and a little more on top. You know, and, and while you're at it, here's a few more things. What are your real needs? God provides them in Jesus. Finally, God provides through love. God provides through love, but it is not Hollywood love, okay? It's not. Oh, my, it's not. Hollywood is so broken. God bless them. Sometimes they tell really good stories, and sometimes you just wonder, Joaquin Phoenix, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> Cows and milk, and I loved watching it as I was eating a hamburger and drinking a glass of milk. No, I'm kidding. I... Ignore that part. That was just addendum. <laughs> the love of God is so much deeper. I, I, I saw a, I think it was a Super Bowl commercial, but it was for uh, like some sort of uh, financial planning thing. And it went through the four different kinds of love. Anybody see the commercial I'm talking about? You know, and at first it's this, you know, uh, the Greek have four words for love. Not true. They have about 30-some words for love when you really get down to it. But four big ones come out and said, there's phileo, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Oh, okay. And then there's um, storge, okay, which is familial love, mother, children, father, children, family love, brother and sister, okay. And then there's eros, you know, for erotic, right? But eros, the romantic love between a woman and a man, right? And, but then there's agape, agape. And this, uh, and I'm just waiting for it. So I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, agape love. That's the good one, right? There's the one at the end, agape love. And it's this, you know, and they try and pan it off of, you know, when a person helps out somebody else. And it was really good. It was really nice in a financial planning kind of way, I guess. I don't know. But you know what's interesting about that word agape in the Greek? I'm going to bore you for just a second. That word in the Greek was actually an obscure, really far... Again, they had like 30-some words for love. I mean, they had... They tailor-made words for... Which I get, you know. I don't, I don't love my wife the same way I love McDonald's Big Macs, right? And so they would have a specific Big Mac love. And they would have a specific Barbie love and a specific whatever, Right? So they, they, the, it all went back to uh, when they were translating the Old Testament into Greek. And uh, the story is about 70 scholars, you know, the Septuagint, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that is boring, so stop it, TJ. Get to the good stuff. So these 70 uh, rabbis are trying to figure out how they can translate the love of God the Father in a way that would, that would honor that, in a way that the Greeks would understand. Okay? How do you explain to a culture that has no idea of the Old Testament word chesed, the unfailing, uncompromising, unconditional love of God the Father? How do you, how do you translate that? So they said, you know what? We're not going to. They don't have a word for it. Of all the 30 plus words they have, they don't have a word for God's love for us. 
So we're going to grab this crazy far out agape love that no one even uses anymore. And we're going to say, no, no, we're going to take that word and we're going to make it fit the Lord and his love and his care. And agape love was born. And agape love was perfected in Jesus. You with me on this? This is not a simple love. This is a strong and courageous love. This is in some ways an uncompromising love. This love will not give on itself. It will love, period. The love looks like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, so much so that some uh, commentators in Galatians say, really what you had with Paul saying the fruit of the Spirit was him saying love and then describing it with all the other fruit. Oh, okay, fair enough. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's all good. The love of God is unconditional and uncompromising. How those two things work, I don't know. Because me personally, as a human, I fall on one or the other. Either I'm way too loose or I'm way too strict. And God says no to both. He says, don't be one or the other, be me. Don't be one or the other, God says, be me. Okay? God provides through love. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Your love will not abound more and more if it's not in the context of other people. You have to have other people in your life. You have to accept the provision of God this way if you want to accept the provision of God this way. So my question for you this week, my question for you this week, as we leave from here, where, Lord, are you providing and what do I need provided? Where are you providing, Lord? And what do I need provided? Right now in your life, there is a need you have that God wants to meet. How does he want to meet it? How does he want to meet it? What is that need that you have? Folks, Paul's prayer for the Philippians is our prayer this morning that our love would abound more and more, more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, not to just keep doing what is good, but to do what is. Let's pray and then we will be dismissed. Father, you are the good and righteous God. Lord, you're so good to us. What you provide and the way you provide it, Lord, forgive me for being so stubborn. Forgive me for trying to hold out for what I want and not giving into what you want for me. God, help me to trust you in my relationships.
Help me to trust you in my wounding. Help me to trust you in the broken pieces of my heart. Help me to trust you in where you are leading me, Father. I know you are leading me in places of joy. I know you are leading me in places filled with grace. I know you are leading me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. God, that's good stuff. It's good stuff. But Lord, I confess a weak heart. So I pray you strengthen us, Father. I pray you strengthen our courage. I pray you strengthen and increase our love. Lord, these are days which are called for your sons and daughters. These are the days your sons and daughters are called to enter into. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray for my single brothers and sisters. I pray that you would fill them up, that they would not know loneliness. Father, and when they do, let them call out to you and know that you are there for them. I pray for my married brothers and sisters that in their marriages, there would be a wholeness and a healing and a goodness, that there would be two people coming together, a son and a daughter, mutually sold out to you, Jesus, and pouring into one another. Father God, I pray for, I pray for the families here, for the moms and the dads and the kids. Lord, it is a hard day and age to raise children but you provide, Lord, you provide. And I pray a special grace for the moms and dads. Give them discernment, give them wisdom and knowledge and insight to know what to allow in their homes and what to say no to. Oh, Father, those TVs and the social media, we just, we open the door to horrible things sometimes. Give us wisdom, Father, give us wisdom. Lord, for your bride, we pray that your spirit would move powerfully in her. We pray that sons and daughters with the DNA of Jesus would be doing the works of Jesus, seeing with the eyes of Jesus, going with the feet of Jesus, and touching and healing with the hands of Jesus. God, in all of it, we need help. So help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, tribe. Go in peace. Thank you.